we celebrate freedom. Everybody say it with me, freedom. I thought about how people long to be free. They look for it, they search for it, they spend their lives on a quest for it, but do we ever really obtain full freedom? I want to read a passage of scripture for you in Acts, the 22nd chapter, uh, Paul's writing, and this is what it says. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, what are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. And the chief captain answered, with a great sum, I obtained this freedom. And Paul said, but I was freeborn. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, God, that it has life. And God, when we let that word abide in us, we find life. We just ask you to have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. Freedom. There are many people that are traveling. We've got several out on vacation over this 4th of July week. People plan vacations around it. We celebrate with fireworks, but do we really understand freedom? This is what I want you to know about Paul. Let me build for you what was going on in Paul's life at that time. Paul had been in, had been traveling, sharing the gospel, and in several places he had gone, people prophesied to him that if he went to Jerusalem, he was going to be bound there and put in prison. And at one place, Paul responded, and he said, why are you trying to break my heart? Not only am I ready to be bound for this gospel, but I'm ready to die for this gospel. You see, it was more to Paul than just going to church. It was a transformation. He knew what he had been, and he knew what he was now, and he could never let go of that great gift God had given him through Christ. When he got to Jerusalem, he met with James, the brother of Jesus, and the elders of the church there, and he began to share with them what was going on as he had been sharing the gospel with Gentiles around the world, and they rejoiced with him, and then they had a conference call with him because they were concerned. They said, Paul, it's being reported. You know that, that Jews are being saved. Thousands of Jews are being saved all over the place as well, and, and the Jews here are hearing reports that where you're at, you're telling the Jewish people that they don't need to obey the law of Moses, that, that it's not necessary. And so I, I, what, what are we to do about that? And they looked at me and said, this is what we'd like you to do. We'd like you to take these four men that have 
made a vow and you go into the temple with them and you pay for the, their head to be shaved, that ceremonial, ceremonial shaving of the head. And then people will see that you also embrace the law of Moses and you haven't forsaken it. And so Paul agreed to it and he'd been there for seven days and they'd been through the temple and they'd been worshiping and they, and all of a sudden on that seventh day, some Jews spotted Paul and those Jews caused a riot to break out. When they saw Paul, they started screaming, men of Israel, help us. And they pointed out Paul and they said, this man is speaking against the law of Moses around the world. And, he's, and they, told, they, they told a lie about him and said that he'd brought a Gentile into the temple, which he had not done, but they'd seen him with one earlier that day. So they just assumed he was in there. And, Man, it, it went into chaos. They grabbed Paul, they drug him out of the temple, they closed the doors, and then they proceeded to try and beat him to death. When all of a sudden, word got to the Roman soldiers and the commander went down and he seized Paul out of their hands and the chaos was so intent and it was so great that those soldiers had to hoist Paul up over their shoulders to get him away from the crowd because they were trying to kill him. And they started carrying him out and when they got him up on some stairs and they set him down, Paul looked at the commander and he said, please let me speak to the people. And he spoke to the commander in his language, Greek. And then when the commander gave him permission, he turned around and he spoke to the Jews in Hebrew. And when the Jews heard him speaking in their language, it got really quiet. And Paul began to plead his case. He said, there was a day when I was just as you are today. He said, I was schooled at the feet of Gamamiel. He said, I was raised a Pharisee, and I persecuted those that followed Christ, having them put in prison and even consented to their death. And he said that, but one day when, and he said, the chief priest can verify this because I was on my way to Damascus that I had obtained letters from them that gave me permission to arrest Christian people, people that were following Christ, or Paul said those that were in the way. And he said, and bring them back to have them tried and tortured. And he said, on that trip, a, a bright light shone out of heaven and it blinded me. And it knocked me to the ground. And when I looked up and I said, Lord, who are you? I heard a voice speak Amen. to me and say, I'm Jesus. You know, at some juncture in our lives, we've all heard him speak to us. Amen. The reality of who Christ is came alive to us. It may not have happened in an audible voice. It may have happened during a message. It might have happened during a test or something you were going through. It may have happened at the bedside of a loved one. But at some point, your heart was apprehended by his presence. And you knew at that moment that there was more to this than just going through a routine of going to church. But there was a reality to God that apprehended you. Paul said that I, when I 
heard that, he said, and I was blind. He took me to the hand on to Damascus, and I met a man by the name of Ananias. And he prayed for me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And he said, my eyes were opened, and I was baptized. And God showed him what great things that he would have to suffer, but also that he had called him to take the message. He said, the Lord spoke to me not to come here. He said, the, he told me to flee Jerusalem because they won't receive you here. He said, but I pleaded with God and said, God, they know the manner of my life. They know how I was. These people are, the, I mean, this is like the bros from the neighborhood. You know what I'm talking about? These folks all knew how I was, and now they've got to see the change, and, and, and they've got to be able to recognize that you've done something in my life. And he said, but the Lord spoke to me, and he said, he said they're not going to receive you. You go and take the gospel to the Gentiles. And when he said that word, Gentiles those people went crazy they started throwing up dust and kicking and man it they they had to get him out of there what caused that a prejudice against the people that they felt they were better than there's one thing you need to know about God. He's no respecter of person. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the color of your hair or whether or not you've even got any hair. God is looking in the heart. I want you to think about how things can get so twisted up when all of a sudden you start out serving God with a humble heart and then your heart gets hard I'm going to ask you a question I don't want you to acknowledge this I just want you to think about it do you ever get to a place where you felt like you were better than somebody else that's a dangerous place to be because when you feel like you're better than someone else you're setting yourself up to be judged the same way you're judging them when they heard that, they went wild. When they took them out, they took Paul down and they tied him down and they were getting ready to whip him because that's how, you, see, you have to remember that the soldiers couldn't understand what Paul was saying. He's speaking to them in Hebrew, not in their tongue. And all they know is Paul said something that got these people in an uproar, man. I mean, they are screaming, they're rioting in the streets. With soldiers there, they're still trying to kill him. He gets him out and they, tie, they get ready to tie him down and they're going to whip him. And Paul makes a statement. He said, is it lawful for you to whip a Roman citizen without a trial? Amen. Do you know that when you were a Roman citizen, it entitled you to certain rights? And if someone even, they didn't even have to whip him. If they just imprisoned him without a proper trial they could face capital punishment. They could be put to death for taking someone's freedom that was a Roman. I'm going someplace here, just hang with me. And so that soldier ran in, he looked at Paul and he said, are, are you, are you Rome? 
Are you a Roman citizen? He said, yes, I am. That soldier looked at him and he said, I am too, but I obtained this at a great price. You could purchase citizenship, but it was astronomical. And that commander said, my freedom cost me something. And it cost me something great. But Paul responded and he looked at him and he said, but I was born free. There's something special about being born free. I know we have a crisis on our border and I believe that people ought to come in legally. But I'll tell you this, that if I were living in Mexico, I'd be trying to get across that border every day, whether it was legal or not. I'm I'm just telling you, I've been there. I know what life is like there. I know what it's like to go down and you see people sleeping in cardboard boxes and you see people under bridges in the streets. I know what that's like. But I also know that when I've been in that country that I have met people that live in stick houses and sleep on dirt that have a smile on their face and a song in their heart because they found a freedom that did not come by the birth of the country they were in, but rather by a another birth (laughs) this Thursday we're going to celebrate 243 years of freedom in this nation 243 years of people that were willing to sacrifice and pay a price and it cost them plenty I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said to those gathered for that meeting when they were discussing whether or not there's a revolution I believe it was him that made the statement and said Sirs, we must all hang together or we will most certainly all hang separately. Because they knew that to declare their independence, to declare their freedom, would cost them their life if they were found out. But they wanted something better for their children. Some of these men were old. Benjamin Franklin, man, he was an old guy, older than me. He was old, but he wanted that freedom because he'd tasted it. Seems like I came across the scripture someplace about taste and see that the Lord is God. Because once you taste, you acquire a flavor for it, a hunger for it. I thought about this, though. I pondered this. I thought, how is it that in a nation that's so blessed that the last statistic report, which was for 2017, just two years ago, that over 47,000 people committed suicide in this nation and 1.4 million tried to and were unsuccessful? How could it be that surrounded by freedom, people are trying to take their lives? I think I know what the answer to that is. It's because there is a freedom that is different than just being born in a country that's free. There's another freedom that can only come by being born again. 
Paul makes this statement. Or I'm sorry, Jesus makes this statement in the eighth chapter of John. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. If I say the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. Years ago when I was a teenager, I walked into the house, had a pack of Marlboro in my pockets. I didn't smoke, but I decided I liked that cowboy. Walked into the house with a pack of Marlboros up there, and my mom saw those, and she, Rick, please, please don't, don't start that, son. Don't start that. My mom had smoked her whole life from the time she was 12 years old. I looked at her, and I said, Mom, that's kind of the pot calling the kettle black, isn't it? She looked at me, and she said, Son, if I had it to do all over again, I wish to goodness I'd never started. But do you know when my mom started smoking, she didn't have the truth. When my mom started smoking, they told you that smoking was good for your throat. They told you that it was soothing and relaxing. And then all of a sudden, people were made aware of the truth on the side of the package. The Surgeon General has determined that smoking can cause cancer. And the truth will make you free if you embrace it. Is there anybody in this building that wants cancer? No, right? Is there anybody in this building? Don't raise your hand. Is there anybody in this building that wants a cigarette? Probably. Well, what's the deal? Is because when something gets a hold of you, it takes more for you to be free than just you saying it. Jesus makes a statement to Nicodemus and he said, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And Nicodemus says, wait a minute, what are you talking about? How can a man be born a second time? How can he enter into his mother's womb a second time? And Jesus is trying to get him to see something. He's trying to paint a picture for him that there's more to freedom than just your location or just your religious association. But real freedom can only come from him. So he looked at Nicodemus and he said, you have to be born of the water and of the spirit. What's born of the flesh? is flesh. So when we commit sin, we're a slave to sin. How many of you have ever just lost it? Anybody ever just lost it? Don't y'all look at me like you're a bunch of angels out there. (laughs) Anybody ever had somebody cut you off in traffic? (laughs) Praise the Lord. I was pulling up behind a guy at Burger King. He didn't know it was me. I knew it was him. <laughs> we were in the drive-thru and I started to ease up a little bit and I was trying to get his attention to wave at him. I didn't, I didn't hit his car. I wasn't, I wasn't going to hit his car. But I eased up a little closer to his car than he was comfortable with. <laughs> he, ju- he jumped out of that car, 
turned around, looked at me, and he, he had his face, it was all red, and he started to, and then he recognized who I was, and he said, oh, hey, brother, how you doing? <laughs> I said, praise the Lord, brother, how are you? <laughs> Man, he looked like somebody that doesn't been, he looked like a weasel that had been caught in a chicken house, buddy. He climbed back in that car, and he just, because we've all been there, right? We've all had those moments where all of a sudden you just, how many of you have ever had your spouse, now Debbie and I never have this problem, but how many of you have ever had your spouse kind of get on your last nerve? What you raise your hand for? I was just showing them what to do. She's over there. And you know what I'm talking about. Say, look, folks, I, I, you, you, you guys know me by now, man. I do not like plastic. I don't like fluff and stuff. You need to get, if you want God to get real with you, you need to get real with God. You need to quit acting like you walk on water and float on clouds and start letting God know there's some stuff I need some help with. Amen. So Debbie needs help. <laughs> with me not getting on her last nerve. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. We, we, we rode to Mexico on a trip 3,000 miles with a man sitting in the back that kept going, eh, 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 eh. It was okay the first 500 miles. By the time I hit Texas, I was ready to hit something else. <coughs> I thought, I wonder if there's a 30-pound cough drop anywhere that I could just give this fella and let him lick on it for a while. You know what I'm talking about? It's anybody in the house today? It just, you know, you, you get, see, we act like we're, how many of you thought you were so saved that you could not the devil could not get to you. I'm saved, sanctified, filled to the top, overflowing with joy. I know who my Savior is. And then all of a sudden, somebody do something to you. God, I know that you said vengeance is yours, but I'm willing to help you out. free. I'm talking about living a life of true freedom. And Nicodemus is saying, I don't, I don't understand it. How can I be born again? And Jesus looked at me and said, look, what's born of the flesh is flesh. You can't save yourself. You may be the best guy on the block, but you cannot save yourself. But this is what he told them. He'd spoke this earlier when he said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him Amen. should not perish but have everlasting life. 
And then he says later in the eighth chapter, he said, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. How many of you have ever felt that free indeed jazz kick in? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I remember I had, I, there was a, a brother that had traveled with me and he was an older brother. He should have been an example. He was not. He nearly got me in a fight in Seattle, Washington. What do you mean nearly got you in a fight? He walked up behind me and he's a real stewardly looking guy. You know, walked up behind me, had a back scratcher or something in his hand he reaches up behind me to the guy standing in front of me which is a complete stranger we're walking down the streets of seattle slapped him on the back with that back scratcher and then he jumped back and just started walking that guy turned around and looked at me and i thought here it comes and he and he gave me a dirty look and he walked off and I turned around and looked at the other guy and I said, Don't you ever do that to me again. And he's just smiling. <laughs> I stewed on that for a while. Matter of fact, I went I I was rooming with Debbie's father and I, I we went back to the hotel and I, I let him know exactly how I felt about that. And I didn't even ask him if he wanted to hear it. <laughs> I just started letting him know how I felt. And, and he always, Deb's dad always had a way of talking to you when he didn't talk to you. You know what I'm talking about? So it's like, you know, instead of saying now, you know, that's not right. And, you know, and all that. He didn't, he didn't do none of that. He'd just say, yeah, it sounds like something you need to pray about. And, uh, and then he'd walk out of the room. And I think, okay, I get it. But nobody likes to live in bondage. I, I got locked up, not, not because of anything I did. I went to visit someone. And they locked me in with everybody else. And this is what they told me. They said, now, there's a little camera here. So when you, <laughs> they said, so when you're ready to go, stand in front of the camera. <laughs> I'm thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> what if nobody's looking at the camera? Hey, I'm getting beat up down here. <laughs> It, it, just, it just unnerved me a little bit. He said, stand in front of this camera and wave and somebody will come and get you. And I thought, well, what if they've got me gagged? And I can't stand in front of that camera. What if they got me drug off in a corner? Is this the only place you can see in this prison? And so I, I, I thought about that and it unnerved me a little bit. And, you know, and then I, I went over to that, you know, when I was done visiting with that guy, I went over there and I'm, you know, and it's, you really feel kind of stupid standing in front of something and nobody else is around you going. <laughs> you know, you just feel like, what, what am I supposed to do? I'm standing here, you know, is anybody looking at me? And he said, you don't know. And you keep waiting to hear some feet coming down. And I'm thinking, man, I hope they didn't go home. And so they came down and they let me out. But what I'm saying is there's this feeling when your freedom is taken from you. And what Jesus illustrates here is that your true freedom cannot be taken from you. Because Paul finds himself in a situation where he's locked up. 
but the Word of God isn't. They take him to Rome, and he stands before rulers. And before he's done, he has converts in Caesar's household. Paul looks at Agrippa, which is King Herod's great grandson or grandson. And he he begins to tell him, and Agrippa looks at him and said, Man, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I wish that not only you, but everyone that was here today was even all together as I am, except for these chains. You see, you've locked my wrists, but you can't lock my heart. You've taken away my mobility, but you can't take away my testimony. (laughs) And so he's free. And that's what Jesus is trying to get these folks to understand because when he talks to them in the eighth chapter of John, these are Jews, and they looked at him and they said, What do you, wait a minute, we're Abraham's kids. We've never been in bondage to any man. What, what do you mean that, that you know, we're, we're not free? They needed to revisit what he told Nicodemus, except a man be born again. And that's why he told them, he said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I wonder how many in here today really on the 4th of July will celebrate the freedom that our forefathers fought for. It deserves to be celebrated. It needs to be celebrated. But in that nation and in that celebration, there's still almost a million and a half people a year trying to kill themselves because that freedom isn't enough for them. They need the freedom that Christ spoke of, a freedom that enters a man's heart and pulls back all the forces of hell and reaches in and lets them know you're mine. I love you. I care for you. You have value. You have purpose. And I have a plan. How many of you are ready for that kind of freedom? Amen. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do today, if you would, to stand with me. I know that there are people that are watching online live now, and others will watch later and pre-record it, and there'll be those that listen to this on the radio. I just wonder how many of you watching or listening really want that freedom. I went to see a young man in Louisiana. He'd been put in prison over drugs, and his mother, I didn't know him. I didn't know his mom. I was down there preaching a revival, and his mama pleaded with me, would you please go see my boy? I got his name, and I made the drive, and as I was walking into the compound, I looked up, and I saw, ray, not Bob wire, but razor wire. It's, it looks like Bob wire, except instead of prongs, it's little razors that are built into that metal that if you try and reach over that, it's going to cut you to ribbons. 
I walked into that compound that was designed to keep people from getting out, but it could not keep people from getting in. What do you mean? Well, I walked right into the place. Well, you hadn't done anything wrong. The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So before you start judging someone else, you need to remember, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We've, maybe it wasn't the same stuff, and I hope we're more original than that. And your sin might not have been my sin, but it was all sin. And we all needed a savior. I walked in there and the young man sat down and he started talking to me. And immediately his conversation went to, can you get me out of here? Can you get me out of here? You know, and, and it was all this, can you get me out of here? And I was very calm and looked at him and I said, so how do you like the place? And his eyes got about that big and what? I said, how do you like this place? I said, is it pretty nice? I said, is it, is it you know, I, I said, it's got nice, be, you know, beds. Is it, is it a good place? And he said, what? I said, how do you like this place? I said, you want to stay here for a while? And he looked at me, he said, no, I don't want to stay here. And I quit smiling and I looked at him. I said, then what are you going to do to make sure you don't end up spending the rest of your life here? I said, son, the best thing that happened to you was you got caught because if this had gone on and you hadn't been caught, it would have built up and built up and built up until when you did get caught, you wouldn't be coming out of this place. So you need to make up your mind now that I am not going to continue in the life that I had. There's only one person that can free you from that. His name is Jesus. And here's the good news. When they stretched his hands out on a wooden cross and drove spikes through them, when they spit in his face and ridiculed him, when everyone was against him, he still looked out and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. How many of you in here would confess today that there are times you did not know what you were doing, that you were on an autopilot, your emotions were ruling you, something was going on in your life, you didn't get it, but he did. And he reached out to rescue you. And because of him, I'm here today. So let me let you in on a secret. Some of you sitting in here or standing here today, if you knew everything there was to know about me in my past, you might jump up and say, I'm not going to listen to him preach. But before you get stuck on yourself, if I knew everything there was to know about you, I might not want to preach to you. So let's take the emotion out of it and come to a place called grace. The unmerited favor of God. Freedom that I don't deserve. People look at me and say, who do you think you are? Well, I could give you some scriptures that describe who I am. I'm a child of king. 
not by my own doing, but by his. I've been made more than a conqueror through someone who loved me. I've been set free from the chains of death by the giver of life. How many of you have experienced that for yourselves? Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now if you've experienced that for yourself? Now here's my question for you. How many of you want someone you know to experience that? Raise those hands. You know I'm setting you up, right? So here comes the question. What are you going to do to make sure they find out? When you're an ambassador of a country, you don't go into the other country and badmouth the one you're from. You go in and you start talking about how great a place America is. But I'm an ambassador. I'm not, I, I live in America, but I don't know why the president has looked over all my qualifications. <laughs> but he hasn't chosen me to be an ambassador. That's okay. Someone greater than he is chose me. He said, I'm his ambassador. So I don't go and tell people how rotten God is because that's not true. I tell people how wonderful he is, how good he is, and how much he loves us. What do you say we let the world know? And today we make a decision to let freedom ring. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house today. If you've got a need, I'm going to ask to invite the prayer team to come up. If you've got a need, they're here to pray with you so they make their way up. If you've got a need, I want you to come. I want us to pray this prayer in closing. Please don't leave this place if you've got a need. We want to pray with you. But I, I want you to get this. I... I want you to understand that you're someone special. You are an ambassador for a king. A king whose kingdom can only be entered through one door, and that door is Jesus. And he's given us the key to unlock that door for whosoever will. It's not just an elite few, not, but it's whosoever will. Let him come. So as you raise your hands to heaven, I want to pray for you today that, to, you know, th this past trip to Lynch was so unique. We saw so many people give their heart to God. And Debbie talked to me and she said, I tell you what the secret is. The secret is one on one. Because when the team started interacting and we weren't all grouped together and saying, hey, come over here where we're at. But we started interacting one-on-one -on -one and having conversations. That's when people opened up their heart and began to accept Christ. So you're on a mission. You're going to go out this week and you, my friend, are going to be the reason someone finds freedom. 
you're going to be the reason someone finds Christ because you're going to share Christ with them. Are you ready for that? Turn around, look at your neighbor. I want you to practice for just a second. Look at the person you're sitting next to. Look at him and say this. Do you know Jesus loves you? Do you? No, try it with a smile on your face. It works better. Look at him and say, do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know he's a great God? You know he's got great things in store for you. Don't, don't get excited now. And as you go out and you begin to share that, when Debbie went into that house and she started saying it's bubbling, that little girl crawled, crawled off of her great-grandma's lap. She came over and she couldn't even enunciate the words, but she had the tune. And she was going at it and she was jumping. And I'm telling you, that touched my heart like nothing else ever did. Why? Because it was a child that experienced freedom. It was a child that that all of a sudden recognized the love of God and ran toward it. And aren't we all children at heart? Are we ready? Stretch those hands to heaven. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to let a special anointing rest on each one in this congregation. I'm asking you, God, to birth excitement within their heart and soul over the freedom that they have found in you that God is so overwhelming that they can't help but tell someone about it. That when they share it, it's like joy unspeakable and full of glory. That when they talk about you, it comes out like a river of life flowing from them. Lord, guide their steps and direct them. Put them in front of the people whose hearts you have prepared to come to know the freedom that only comes in accepting you as Lord and Savior. I give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in here. If you've got a special need, come up. We're going to pray with you. For everyone else, may the Lord smile on you and keep you. Put a smile on your face and a song in your heart and cause you to know you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And he's already prepared a way before you in the midst of enemies. Thank God for it, rejoice, and be glad. Amen.